All right, let's do this. Another episode of Keel Conversations. My name is Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. So we are chatting with Isaac today, who is a partner at Real Ventures focused on pre-seed investments in Montreal-based companies. He's also the general manager of Founder Fuel. Prior to joining Real, Isaac held product leadership roles in high-growth startups such as Sonder, Frankenoak, and large tech companies like Yahoo and Scholastic. Throughout his career, Isaac has been an active mentor, speaker, and organizer with a deep commitment to paying it forward. He's a husband and father of two and also believes Montreal is the perfect place to build world-class startup ecosystems while raising a family. Having spent time in, in Montreal, I, I have to agree, it's a great, really great place. And I, I'm, I'm, I enjoy this conversation because, you know, Isaac's seen a lot of that ecosystem. He was part of a lot of really great growth on the product standpoint in, in companies that are, you know, really flourishing at this point. And they started in that startup scene. So now with his current role of helping startups get going, it's, it's really fascinating to, to grab his mindset and throughout that whole journey. So enjoy this conversation. Lastly, I want to thank everyone for your reviews and writing in to actually ask how or where to leave the reviews. I totally get it. It can get a little bit uh, crazy when you're in the Apple podcast scene. Their screens seem to be disappearing and it's not always intuitive. So quick tutorial on that. You just have to go into the main show section. You'll find Keo. Scroll all the way to the bottom. Once you see all the episodes and the stars are there and the review section is right there. So thank you for taking the time to actually write in to ask that. And thank you to all of those who have left reviews. It, it does uh, help quite a bit. Uh, before we dive in, just want to say one point about the main reason we can do this podcast. And that is from the support of Keo, which is our daily mental fitness app. All of these awesome guests are loaded in app to help you with your daily reflection. So just type KYO in the Apple App Store and it will arrive. So thanks as always for all your love, your attention, and have the absolute best day yet. Isaac, who are you? Uh, it's a great question to start, uh, Mark. Uh, I would, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something new to to respond. Uh, I would say for for this audience, I am a, I'm a humanities guy, doing the, the, who's found a spot in the business world. Love it. So I'm an I'm an investor. I've been a product manager and been working in technology for for 15 years. But I, I came up, my education and my interests were in philosophy and religion and Buddhist meditation and, and uh, other stuff of that ilk. And so my identity today and who I am as a, a professional, certainly, but as a, as a person is kind of a, a combination of those two streams. Um, the other way I would, w- I would try answering this is that I'm very much a global citizen. I, I was born in Massachusetts. I was educated in New York uh, and ended up living in a bunch of different com- countries, going to India, living in Hawaii, 
setting up shop in Singapore for six years. Now I live in, in Montreal. I've been an expat for about 10 years. And so it, it, it again really defines my, my character as a, as a professional, but as a person, someone who's lived in different places and has the context, uh, a broader, I think, global context than some on, on what's happening in life, in the world and, and what it means to, to, to be a person and to, to live in society. So, so I think those are two ways that I could frame who I am for, for this group. I love it. I mean, and thanks for sharing that detail. I mean, there, there's one, there's one aspect that I would like to add because you're, you're probably being modest, but just having interacted with you a little bit personally and, and, and in person as well. Um, there's this, there's this energy and, and passion about that surrounds you as, as a person. And, and I definitely want to talk about that a bit because it's, it's very obvious. Like you, you stand out in a room with that. And, and I want to emphasize authentic energy and passion. You know, it's not, it's not a front for a presentation. It's it, at least I feel it's uh, it's real. So where, like, where is all of that coming from? Is that a combination of just what you just described and all of your experiences across the world or, you know, when you were a kid, was were you surrounded by that type of 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 energy and, and and passion? I think it's I think it's both. I think you just hit on you know sort of the two things that make up anybody and therefore certainly make up who I am. So you know for for it, for eighteen years, roughly, most of us kind of you know it's a different situation for everybody. We have parents, we have brothers and sisters or maybe not and we grow up somewhere and become somebody and I think or or the first phase of somebody and I grew up in an amazing household like uh, parents who really loved each other and were were amazing uh, people and very connected with the with the task of raising us and created I had a twin brother and an older sister and we lived in a college town in, in Massachusetts and we grew up being outdoors, but also being around smart and, and intelligent people and being given like lots of food for, for our brains and our spirits and in all of these different ways. And so I think that obviously we're all shaped by our, by, by how we grew up and what the environment was. And I think I was shaped to, I was well taken care of and I was given an opportunity to, to learn who I was, express myself, challenge myself, um, get smarter, have different experiences. I mean, as just one example, when I graduated high school, my parents were like, you have to take a year off. We don't want you to go to university yet. And they didn't, throw a, lot, they didn't throw a lot of money at it, but they, they supported me a few thousand dollars to go. And I went and hitchhiked around New Zealand for three months. And then I went and lived on a kibbutz in Israel. So these are like fabulous things to do that I was, you know, not just like had to ask for, like I was encouraged and supported and driven in all of these ways to, to have new experiences and to find out who I was and, and to see the world. And so, you know, I think that is the first half of, of who I am. And then I've been lucky to have all these and lucky in the sense of creating my own opportunities, but also getting lots of stuff um, that came my way and, and I, you know, I grew up in, in, with lots of advantages. So all the one thing kind of leads to another. And so I've ha had all these experiences. I've done lots of great work in, in, in technology and all of these different ways. I've lived in all of these countries. 
and and all of these experiences have helped me learn who I am, given me opportunities to 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 understand better what's out there and to kind of know myself. And I think that anybody's energy is ultimately driven by, you know, like how comfortable they are in, in who they are and how comfortable they are in kind of being someone out there in the world. And I just think I've had all these opportunities to become very comfortable with who I am and to, and also to be comfortable interacting with lots of different kinds of people. If you live all around the world and you're thrown in all of these different situations, I've gotten these, uh, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable around lots of other people and, and happy to share what I have and, and kind of take in from them and, and be open to, to, to what's out there in the world. And I think that's, that's what I guess, I mean, I can't see it from the outside. I'm just, uh, you know, like it's sure. subjective to me, but, but if I think that those are the sources of, of, of me and of anyone. And I, I think I've just had a lot of, of luck and opportunity to kind of figure out who I was and then be comfortable of sharing it with the world. That's amazing. And, you know, if you think back to your education and, and then some of the focus on some of the, some of the Buddhism, like how I'm, I'm struggling to see how you got into some of your roles, right? Cause you, like what was the link there and how did the education help? And I'm starting to see though, just in your character, how this is all kind of forming up, but I'd love to get a little insight from you because, you know, before entering in the venture capital world, uh, you know, you're pretty much a product expert, right? In a host of different companies like Yahoo and Sonder and Frank and Oak and, and at different stages as well in technology. So how, how does all that stuff come together then? Well, I, I think, in, you know, to be honest, in some ways it does and in some ways it doesn't, right? That in the sense that, you know, in our society, like you've got to find something to do that's that's productive. And, and I found this uh, career that I'm good at it and, and I'm good at it not necessarily because of the other things that I'm interested in. I've been successful because like I have, you know, certain skills and abilities and I and both in product and VC and everything else that I've done, my my skills and abilities are, are around, you know, thinking and analyzing and communicating, being able to work well with other people, being able to be a, a leader, uh, uh, build consensus, get people to agree on stuff. So these are, these are sort of like generically useful things to be good at. And, and I've had an opportunity to get better through, through my education and, uh, and through all of the work that I've done. Um, but in terms of being this, what I described as like a, a humanities guy, a religion and philosophy and, and everything, you know, more broadly, like that, that side of, of seeing the world do doing work in, in the business world and being a product manager and now being an investor. I, I do think there's, I mean, there's obviously connections um, and a couple that, that have been most prominent for me. One of all my academic training it was actually the training in philosophy, which includes Buddhist philosophy and, and Western, Eastern. Like I did a lot on philosophy as, a, as an undergrad and did some postgrad studies. Um, philosophy is about, you know, to, to very much vulgarize it, about um, trying to understand the nature of certain things in reality and then like describe them in a very rigorous way, whether that's the workings of the mind or how science functions or, or even like, you know, hardcore topics like logic or metaphysics or, you know, the nature of knowledge, like you're trying to understand some pattern in the world and then do a very 
precise and and clear and defensible argument about why it is this way or why it is not that way. And so that that manner of thinking of, of really having to prove things about shaping arguments and, and saying this is true for this, that and the other reason has been fundamental to what I can bring to a business context, because like think about an investment opportunity. It's basically what you're tasked with doing is is saying here's why we should make this investment for this, that, and the other reason. This is what's happening in the market. You know, this is this is my perception of the team, et cetera, et cetera. And you're really building and shaping an argument. So that's the number one point of connection for me. Uh, it is it, sort of the, that academic training about how to think and, and build arguments. I think my interest in religion and culture Buddhism, for example, like I did tons of Buddhist meditation, you know, or when, when I was younger and just my general interest in, in cultures and societies of, 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 of the world and, and having gotten to live in, and explore some of these, it like, it doesn't directly connect, but it gives me a broad, I don't think, uh, in the sense where I can really say, oh, this is, this is how this makes me better at this work. But I think it connects in a more um, a more general way because it's made like it gives it makes me a more interesting person and it gives me a frame of reference on life that I can share with other people. And in order to do business with other people, I mean, you have to have good ideas and, and you know, meet in the middle and create value and all that stuff. But you also have to make a personal connection. And the more you have to offer as an individual and the more you know, kind of authentic and real you are. And the more that, you know, you present something other than a business opportunity, I think it does, it does make things happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. And that I can connect with people that I, that otherwise, like, you know, there wouldn't be any common ground. I can kind of find a lot of common ground with a lot of people. And it's partially because I have broad interests that are outside of just like how to build the next great app, though I'm also interested in that topic. So so I think, you know, those are some points of connection between um, but between these two two worlds or these two kind of like ways I, I exist in, in, in society and, and in the world. Sure. I think the other part, Isaac, though, is that everything that you've just mentioned from the from some of the Buddhism as well as the philosophy, it's. It's, it's all training your mind in, in some capacity, right? There's for sure, you know, the benefits of, of different human connection and whatnot. But like you said, a lot of your work across the, across the spectrum has been analyzing and, and I'd imagine asking some powerful questions as you're going through that process, right? So it seems like, it seems like those, those other worlds have really helped frame where your mind's at today, for example. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it, it is about it's about training sort of habits of mind, I think, is what you're talking about and, and ways of, of thinking, uh, ways of processing information and, and actually making your your brain like literally more powerful in a way in terms of being able to engage in lots of different situations um, and, and to function well and be able to whether it's interacting with people or, or assessing opportunities. So I think, you know, all of that, I got an opportunity to, to train in lots of different ways and, and d- develop lots of different faculties of mind. And, you know, I, I see it perhaps even more 
in investing than as a product manager. Product managers, we have to be focused on the next 12 to 24 months. Like we have to be very grounded in reality because mm-hmm. we're, we're building that product that it, it needs to be right on the cusp of usability. You can't build a product that will be useful in five years. Um, but for, for venture, you're much more trying to ev- imagine futures that are, that are further out like bigger ideas that are not a reality today, but be, could become a reality. And I think the, you know, the more, this is again about having seen the world, but also about having trained in different ways of thinking and, and different understanding, different even models of, of what it is to be a human or human psychology, having all of that at one's disposal makes it easier to think through different alternative futures that might seem kind of far out about, you know, maybe people would do this someday, or maybe, you know, people would do that. Like you, you have to be kind of creative and open-minded. And, and if you have different models of, uh, in your mind to work with, I think it does open, open oneself up to, to more possibilities, which is important for, for this kind of work in particular. So what, what attracted you to, to venture in, in, in the first place coming off of, of years of, of product experience? Well, to be honest, sort of venture attracted itself to me or something in the other way, in the sense that I was was kind of con- ready to continue on being an operator and product manager or try to get to, you know, the next step, which for me would be as being a CEO and running a company. Um, and then this, you know, real who I built built a relationship with by working for their companies and and. At, at other touch points and uh, mentoring and founder fuel um, approach me with an opportunity. And then it became something like, Oh, this could be a great idea and opportunity. And, and, and it now it's a reality. So I wasn't necessarily like now is the time to become an investor, but that said it's, well, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's a, it's an amazing job. It's basically like, like a dream job for me now that I'm doing it, it scratches a lot of different itches for me. And, and it's also something new from, I had been doing product management for a while. I love it. I find it incredibly authentic and and meaningful work. And I was quite happy to push forward on that or do other stuff as an operator. It's like, I still had lots to learn and lots to to, to achieve. So it's not like that path had, you know, had been like finished or completed, but the opportunity to do something fundamentally different where the learning curve would be much steeper and I would get to meet all these different people and, and master these different techniques and just to stand in a totally different, um, part of, of this, world that I, that I've come to occupy, that's, that's so enticing. Like we, I think we all, um, when we're learning, when we're challenging ourselves, when we're exposing ourselves to new things, at least for me, that's when I'm feel most happiest and, and alive and activated and energized. So that, that opportunity in itself to, to learn something new, to do something new, um, and the opportunity, which I saw now, now it, now I see it on the inside and it's more profound than I even thought to just help people like you, you, you invest in some of them, but many of the ones that we don't invest in, we still find a way to add value. We make connections, we give feedback, we, we coach, we mentor, uh, we build an ecosystem for entrepreneurs. So we do a lot of work at that level. So all of this is just like, 
you know, in, in, in some small way, making the world a slightly better place, helping people realize their dreams and, and, and push forward these often amazing ideas. So that is just incredibly gratifying and powerful. And if you're someone who likes people, likes to be around people meet lots of them and, and like I, I, that was already me. Like I loved doing that anyway. I prided myself on like getting the person, the job or giving the good advice to this, this founder or this product manager. So I was already doing that kind of stuff as let's say a hobby. So to be able to get to do it full time and to be able to help, not just with, you know, my insights and advice, but with capital is, is just another level. And then you know, in any job you take, it's, it's not just the domain. It's like, who are you going to work with? Um, and this is this amazing firm that, that has just been so central about in building out these ecosystems in Canada over the last 10 years. I know most of the people, or I knew most of the people that key people already. I, I had connected with them. I had respect for them as individuals. I was aligned with the values of the firm and, and I could see that things were going well and we're going to keep getting even better. Like you, you want to, you know, when people come to me and ask, like, should I take this job or what should I do? I, I just say, you know, do you believe in the people and the mission of the organization? Like, and do you and are they winning? Like, so are you are you joining an organization <laughs> where it's going well? And do, do you respect what they do? And specifically that your manager or the people you're going to work with. So those were like mega checkboxes for me, completely aligned with the people, with the vision, uh, and it's clearly going well, and it's something new for me. Um, that's a that's a powerful combination. So it was quite an easy, like I wasn't looking for it, but I remember sitting down with John Stokes, who's one of the, the, the co-founders of Real Ventures, and, you know, like within that meeting, kind of both of us looking at each other and being like, yeah, this is a this is a strong fit um, for all of the reasons, not that they were all made explicit at that, at that, you know, lunch, but you know, there were, there was just a lot of, of reasons why it would be a good idea. Yeah. Well, and there's just that, and there's that intuition, right. And that just that human emotion or that feeling, right. That it just, it feels right. I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, we're, we're not even a part of your, your portfolio and I feel like, you know, I've, I've met a lot of really great people from, from real. And before, I mean, we're speaking because of this app that I started speaking with people before it was even, even close to starting development. Right. So, I mean, I can, I can see the, the personalities that form the, the team, which is, which is unique, right? Like that's what drives any, any company or organization. Absolutely. And it's all, it's always about people in the end, uh, people that, have, have certain values and, and vision and then try to push them out into the world. So, um, in the end, it's not so like it, it's sometimes we overcomplicate things like, like what's the, where's the right place to be? Like the, the place, the right place to be is, is with people that, that you respect and are, are proud to call your colleagues who are doing great things in the world and who are good at it. Yeah. Like it, it's, you know, sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah. Let's, let's chat a little bit about some of the, you know, the founders that you get to work with and, and let's just call it the, the startup world, because I mean, obviously most of the people listening to this know that, you know, we're in this, this world on the, on the Keo side and you see it day in and day out. And, and as mentioned, get to work with some, some great people. And, you know, one thing I want to 
get your perspective on is just the whole notion of, I think a lot of people don't realize this and I didn't realize this till I got into it, but when you're starting something from scratch with, you know, without a clear path and you're carving that way, like the highs and lows almost on a daily basis are almost unimaginable, right? It, it's like, you know, I've, I have a saying to just ride the high as long as possible and then get out of the low as fast as possible type thing, right? Because you know what's going to happen the next day or the next week. Is there any advice or do you, do you see, you must see that, right? In your day-to-day operations, especially with Founder Fuel and, and all the other initiatives. Like how are people, how do you advise people to manage those varying emotions? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I have a I have a couple of thoughts on it. One is to is to be honest about how exceptional the vocation is and to not BS yourself about what you're getting into. And I, I would say that by vocation I mean entrepreneurship in general, but we're really in a in a subset of you know venture backed entrepreneurship, which gets a lot of attention and press. So much so that you could kind of like think that's the only kind of founders or startups. But of course, it's not like it's the other way. Like most founders and startups are, you know, small businesses of one sort or the other or midsize businesses who grow out of cash flow or grow with with debt or grow with small amounts of investment that are not, you know, quote unquote, venture capital. So we're this exceptional, uh, exceptionally small part even of our own you know, broadly speaking, entrepreneurial ecosystem. We're a bigger part of the innovation ecosystem. We build companies in a very certain way. And by we, I mean the investors, but also the founders, like everybody around it. And we're building very ambitious companies with a very low or high risk of not working out. And and speed of turning the wheel on these projects is often an essential component. So we're trying to go really fast to do something very hard with an unlikely uh, rate of, of success and then an amazing um, potential impact and outcome in the, in the honestly rare cases when it really works out. And I mean, amazing impact in terms of financial returns, but like impact on the world, like everyone uses this product now, or you've reshaped this part of, of this industry, um, like real impact people changing the way they live in some way because of, of this new business or this new technology. So, so that is the domain and it's just a very particular domain. And it's a domain where we're on the topic of like mental health and work-life ba- balance. Like you are, if you enter that domain, you are already making some major trade-offs that you just have to be like really honest with yourself about the trade-offs you're making. Not that you don't have agency and and choices within that world of how you want to live and how you want to achieve balance, but but like you are already committing to a certain path, which is pretty intense in the same way that like if you wanted to train for a triathlon, you know, you can't bitch about having to get up at six in the morning to do your training because it's it. Like you signed up, like, do you want to do the triathlon or not? So, so so it's really intense and being honest about what you're signing up for, especially if you're raising lots of money from VCs who are looking for this exceptional outcome and looking for you to move at the speed of light. 
that that honesty and and transparency with everyone who's getting involved you your your partner your kids if you have them your you know everybody in your community the other people who join the company and everybody kind of acknowledging what you're getting into is 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 the key i think the second thing is within you still have agency you can still decide how you want to run it and being intentional about that like if you're not intentional about it it will eat you up like a like the business especially once injected with capital has its own like never ending hunger for your effort and and work and like there's always more you can do and probably should be doing if you want it to succeed but yet you have to draw some boundaries and you have to figure out how you want to structure this a to just be sane and live a good life and b to preserve yourself for what is truly a marathon even though it's like a sprinting marathon like you can't run a, <laughs> you can't run out of juice after 18 months so so you have to protect yourself for the good of the for the good of you as a human and also for the good of the business and if you're not intentional about it uh, because it's sort of a hard thing to do then you'll you'll do poorly and on the flip side if you find ways to be intentional, setting rules, here's what I'm going to, you, whatever your, whatever your thing is, okay, I got to go to the gym or I have to take time with my family on this time, or I have to, you know, do emails then, but not then, like the more you think about it and devote time into, into structuring your day and, and, and drawing lines and stuff, you'll have a better chance of, of getting what you want in terms of, of a setup and, and, and work-life balance and sanity. Um, and then I guess the third thing, which speaks most directly to, to, to your question about ups and downs, um, I would actually phrase it slightly differently than, than, than roll with the, with the ups um, uh, and or ride the ups and, and, and sort of try and get out of the downs. Like, and this is, this is for me where all my you know, training and studying in Buddhism, I would sort of advise people like, you need to really cultivate detachment. Like interesting the investors are going to say no, like the customers are going to churn, like bad stuff is going to happen. And you, you, you need, like you can be detached from it, not in the sense of not caring, but not letting it eat you up. And likewise, when you get a big win and, and you close the contract or you get the round also kind of not being too attached to the good side and just accepting that it's come your way, like again, welcoming it, be happy, but but trying to like that is that's the happy, you know, that's the happiness. Uh, what's it called? Recipe of Buddhism is kind of like detach from the good and the bad, and accept it all as sort of the flow of 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 life. Just what uh, it is, the flow of samsara. Yeah. So so that's what it is, and that is true happiness or, or enlightenment. It's, is this full detachment again, not in a, in, in the sense of, of like not caring or being disconnected, but in the, in the sense of being not hooked into the, the sort of the drug of the high or, or the, the other drug of, of the, of, of lows. Um, and so that's what I advise now. I mean, like, it's pretty hard to do, like, it's very easy to tell people and, <laughs> and it's pretty easy to tell people to be detached about their problems, even as when, when we, you know, when I lose the deal or something goes wrong, like, of course it's, it's, you know, you know, you are attached to the wins and you are impacted by the losses. So this is, this is like easy advice to give and hard to put into practice. And that's why people do 
meditation and other training to basically train the mind to in the moment, like cultivate detachment and, and sort of presence and awareness. So, so I think it's the right way to live. It's not, it's just not easily done. And, 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 you know, for like Buddha's Buddhism, psychological insights are that, uh, you know, these things are happening in the moment, right? So that it doesn't matter what you believe about being detached because your mind is trained at a very like micro level to be attached and to get hooked into the, the endorphins of, of, of good things and to get hooked into other cycles uh, uh, around like bad things and, and just to be cycling off of that good and bad feeling. And it happens at a, a very granular molecular or like, you know, you know, experiential level, however you want to put it. So, so for those reasons, it's like, it doesn't matter how many books you read about it or, or how, how much you believe that one should be that way. You have to kind of cultivate it and learn how to cultivate it. And that's a hard thing to do. But anyway, like it's, it's, it's directionally right as an advice, even if it's, even if it's hard to apply. No, but that's really, uh, thanks for sharing all of that. It's really, I think really practical and uh, even, even myself going through this experience. I mean, we have to follow our own practices just to, to launch products or or updates. And and then fortunately talking to people like yourself and others, um, you know, we're surrounded with the importance of, of training your mind. Because I think what happens, right, is you're right. You're going to, you, you hit a low. And if, if you can disconnect from that, that emotion and just acknowledge it, yeah, this sucks. But then I've noticed that I can pull out of that and kind of go back up to that 30 or 40,000 foot view and, you know, orchestrate the board a little bit and not get sucked in where in the past would probably, you know, sulk a little bit more, let's just say. But like you said, easier said than done. I mean, um, but just like your example of, you know, the, the person signing up for that triathlon, I mean, it's not the day of the triathlon where it really counts. I mean, obviously the finish or whatever you want to accomplish, yeah, that counts, but it's all the training before. Like that's where, you know, you're, you're, you're not going into a, tri- a triathlon trying to learn something new about your training, right? It's, you've got to put in that work before. And I think, I I think there's no difference when it comes to mental fitness. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that, that occurs to me listening to to what you were saying and, and, you know, habits of mind or, or, or sort of frameworks that we can use to make it all like a, a little bit easier to get through the day is, is to appreciate and this is something that can maybe drive a little bit of detachment to appreciate the role that sort of luck and chance uh, play in all of this to the good and the bad, you know, so as a founder or, or anybody who's trying to get something done in the world, you know, we have, and especially founders who are trying to build some massive thing. So it's like not likely that it's going to happen, you know, for it to happen, lots of good breaks will, will have to come. And, and those are breaks. Like if they happen, it's of course because of your effort and your dedication, but it's also because you timed the market right or like someone just, you know, decided to partner with you and not someone else or, you know, things will just fall your way and it will it will just work out. And a lot of that will be some form of, of chance or luck that you helped create. And likewise, if it doesn't quite pan out, whether it's on a deal or the, or the whole company, um, 
also there's an element of, of kind of chance to it. Oh, someone else got that luck instead of you, or you were just a little bit late to market or whatever. And, you know, knowing that it, it's not about therefore not putting in your best effort or trying to make it all happen, but, but it can maybe help you take a step back and understand that the important thing, as you said, is the journey. And so, so is that a journey that you're taking with people that you respect and love to work with? Is the thing you're working on something that like is meaningful to you, that is aligned with your values that you think is important and worth doing? And if those two answers are right, like, yes, you hope that it becomes this massively winning thing and, and maybe it will, but maybe it won't. And maybe the next thing will. And, and, and that's okay. As long as like, what's less okay is working with people you don't really respect or, or feel aligned with or working on projects for years and years that you don't really care about and aren't that meaningful, even if they are sort of more successful. So I, I think if you start there, yeah. try to, to optimize for doing things that matter, that, that are important to you and being around people and in cultures and company cultures or whatever kind of thing you work in, in cultures that, that you feel aligned with and then try to make it as big or as awesome as, as it can be. But if you solve for those first two things, you can kind of like be a little bit more detached about the outcome because you've done the, you know, like the journey was the right journey. And then if it, mm -hmm. if it, if it's a massive success, fantastic. But if it's not, you were still kind of doing the right things and maybe the next thing will be a massive success. Like I've had good luck in my career and different jobs and, and different stuff, but like some stuff has worked better than others and there have been downs and the downs have often turned into ups like one, you know what I mean? In the, in the very cliched way of one door closing and another one opening. So, so, you know, of course, in the moment, some of those downs were, were pretty painful and intense. But as you and I think this is part of getting older is you, you go through a few of these cycles and you go, oh, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. <laughs> and like like that's sort of the nature. It's cyclical. So don't get too attached to the up. Enjoy it when it happens. But but understand that they're going to come up and down. And, and rather than orienting towards did it work or not? It's like, was I with the right people? Was I doing stuff that was meaningful to me? Was I, you know, learning to become a better person and more self-actualized, more self-expression? And, and was I, can, am I proud of what, what I was doing when I tell other people about it? If you're, if you're good on all those fronts. And then I, I kind of believe that one leads to the other. Like if you're good on those fronts, you will succeed. I mean, I'm kind of an optimist in that way. But, but you got to yeah. orient towards the process and how you're doing it and what you're doing it and 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 maybe be a little bit less attached to the final outcome whatever it is well i think one way to describe a lot of what you just mentioned is just you know really living in and appreciating kind of that present moment and being mindful like you said of the people that are around you and the actual journey which leads really well into um the, the last part of this conversation and, and that's to really start to talk about some of the mindfulness practices or wellness practices, whatever you want to call them that for you have been really critical in, in your journey. Uh, and, and I'll start off by just, you know, setting a little bit of a baseline in, in the sense of like, when I say the word mindfulness, because it's being thrown around quite a bit these days, like, what does that word mean to you? Interesting. I, I, I take that term, I guess, in a, in a narrow and a broad way, because I, did a lot of, uh, you know, 
Buddhist meditation and, and stuff growing up, much less now for the record. Uh, so a lot of other things have taken over my life. But so I very much perceive that term in the narrow sense of a, a specific set of practices that are that are, you know, part of this tradition, kind of a, a, a newly like a reborn tradition kind of modern Buddhism uh, and that, you know, practices that help train the mind. So, so I think of, of mindfulness in that narrow way, but, but of course there's a much broader way to think about it, which is just the general sense of, of uh, presence awareness and the ability to, to kind of be in the moment, uh, which can be driven by lots of different practices. And it's just a sort of an attitude, a way of being in the world. Like how mindful are you? So I, I, I perceive them both in the, in the narrow and the broad sense to, to answer that specific question. And how, Isaac, how over your journey, how has your reflection or the practices that really focus on you as, as a person and your, let's call it your mental and physical health, like how, are, how have those evolved uh, over your life? Interesting. So I would, you know, as a student, it's, I, I work with a lot of students now and, and, you know, I want to, tell them, I mean, I do tell them like, you know, it will never be a better than this, like enjoy your time, right? Because you're there. And, and those few years after to whatever you're doing, when, when you kind of when life now I see as a parent and a professional with all these different responsibilities, like it's such a great time to work on yourself and, and learn about the world and, and learn about who you are in all kinds of different ways, whatever, whatever your thing is. So that was, you know, in that period of time from, you know, say, you know, 16, 17 to, to 24, 25 was this very fruitful period where I was traveling and I was reading and I was doing meditation retreats and I was experiencing all of these different things um, and and really shaped like a lot of what I think about now about the nature of life and existence and what it means to be human and and what it means to be mindful or any of these things was really shaped in that period because that's when I was mostly actively engaging it and I feel like for example what I what little I know about how the mind works I feel like I learned in that period because you you, you learn a different thing when you go to a 10-day meditation retreat then you know and you're reading the books and you're doing all this stuff and you're like really digging into that so so I think that was yeah a, a really like that was the period for me when I was grappling with all of this stuff on a, on a daily basis and, and really thinking it through. And, you know, the rest of my life since then has been very different because different things take over. I think, you know, for me, the next thing that took over was, was career slash New York city. Like, like that's enough. Like <laughs> if you're in New York city and you're working a intense job and you're experiencing like this, this greatest of all urban cultures, which was really at a moment of efflorescence, like that was my interest for those few years. And then when I moved to Singapore, it was a career as kind of a constant, but it was, it was parenthood because we had two kids when we moved to, to Singapore mm. and it was, it was seeing Asia. Like I was there for six years and exploring that part of the world. So different things have, have, have kind of taken over and then moving to Montreal, uh, again, like finding different ways as a professional to express myself and then very much different ways as a parent, because being a parent in Singapore 
was very different. We had more help there than, than in Montreal. And then moving to Montreal and again, like reintegrating or integrating into a new society. So those have been the phases of my life and things, different things. Like now I'm a householder and I own a, like own a home and we're trying to make like a physical space that, that is our own and that, that we can exist in. So, so different things become important at different stages. Um, I feel I might've gotten off of the, the, the original question here, but, but so maybe you can help bring me back, but that's, that's kind of like some, you know what I mean? Something of, of my journey as, as like, as a human there. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's, that's, Perfect detail. I'm curious though, when you moved to Singapore and also when you had kids, if that kind of re-stimulated some of the different mental fitness practices that you were doing kind of in that 18 to 24 year old period. So I just know as a, as a new dad myself, uh, I, I feel like my mindfulness in general or just be, or awareness of what's happening around me has heightened um, just because you can't, right? Like you can't give a bottle or like they know when you're not paying attention, for example, right? It's very much for me about moving from working on myself to working on my kids. So, you know, and now my kids are six and nine. So, so I've moved through that phase of just looking, you know, making sure that they're safe to now kind of teaching them how to be human and, you know, and largely being the, like the, the parent's role is largely in many ways to, to set the limits on what is acceptable and kind of bring them into society and watch as a result, like how can we work with their minds to, to shape them and what, like, what do I know? about life, like how to deal, you know, it's like a five-year-old, like how to deal with bad news. Like five-year-olds don't deal well at all with bad news. Like they flip out and cry. And so then you're like, Hey, like this is like, you don't have to cry. It's okay. Like you can be sad, but like, you know, working with them on, on emotion and watching their minds function and trying to impart, not just like wisdom about how to be in the world, but really like participate in the shaping of, 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 of new people that's been my experience of, of parenthood. And so it becomes less about like working on myself and more about taking hopefully something I've learned about how to be alive and help them through this like super long journey of becoming a full adult. That's, that's how I would characterize it. Interesting. No, that's a really interesting perspective. Uh, and in itself, by, by doing that, you are also working on yourself, right? So absolutely. But I would say like the thing, you know, to be honest and coming back to this question of being honest about what one's taken on in life and being honest about what, like, you know, what is being prioritized and what is not being prioritized. Like when I look at my thirties, which was this incredible, which I'm, I'm about to turn 40 in, in a month this very fruitful time as a professional, like going from, you know, just being a couple to, to, to having kids and starting to raise them, you know, cycling through two different societies and, and establishing myself in both of them. So all this great stuff happened, but the work I was doing earlier on, on myself and like what it means to be alive and doing meditation practice and, and all of these things, didn't fit into that 10 years significantly. Like it wasn't, it didn't make it to the top of the list because there were all these other things going on. And that, so, and I think those are, you know, the trade-offs that we make sometimes. Um, And then, 
you know, whenever possible. Like I'm hoping, you know, not to like over dramatize the, the arbitrariness of a birthday, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm about to enter a new phase of my life where like my kids are a bit older and have their, have it together a little bit more and I'm a bit more established in my career. So now, you know, can I take some time to think about where can I reprioritize, whether it's on, you know, uh, mental well-being, physical well-being, you know, like, like, you know, yoga and sports and all of that kind of stuff, or, you know, um, social engagement, for example, like I, I do a lot of, of good in the world, so to speak, through my, I think, through, through the work that I do, but not necessarily through, through charities or that kind of work. It's more, you know, through the functions of the market. Is that okay? Like, what should I do in the next 10 years? Should I be putting more of my time to, to volunteer or engage in other kinds of, you know, should I be doing more, more in the arts and other ways to express myself? So I think, you know, we have to be on it. Like actions speak louder than words. What we choose to do reflects our actual priorities. But, you know, as, as these cycles continue, as we, as we get older and do different stuff, there's always this opportunity to, to reshuffle the priorities as appropriate. And, and I think going back to maybe one of the points I was making at the very early part of this discussion about intentionality, it was, it was regard to, you know, um, uh, you know, how to solve work-life balance as a founder, but it's like intentionality in anything, like taking a step back and not just doing stuff. Cause like life can just move you along, especially if you're like a naturally busy person who has lots of stuff going on and you can end up doing stuff just because it's in front of you rather than making intentional choices about what you do and do not want to do. And I think that's a, it's a hard thing to do, but you're rewarded when you take a step back and really think about how you use your time and what things are going well, but what things maybe you could cut out, whether that's like a habit or a, you know, diet, or there could be a million different things that you could adjust if you take a step back. And there could be a million things uh, that you, you, maybe you ought to be doing and would want to be doing, but you have to push yourself a little bit to, to make it happen. So, you know, I think there's always time for that, but there's sometimes we, we, in other words, there's always time to reflect on that, but, but sometimes there's kind of moments and, and, and whenever you can get them, whether you move to a new place or start a new job or, you know, new year's resolutions, whatever they be to kind of take a step back and, and see if, if there's stuff that ought to change. So, you know, maybe I'll be able to do this with this birthday or, you know, whenever we get the chance to do that, I think we're always rewarded. Well, you just perfectly summarize what we're trying to do with this conversation, right? So, and and you mentioned how you're, you really want to help people and you are helping people just through this, this chat, because that's exactly the whole notion of taking a moment to step back and not having, you know, and eliminating the fear that, oh, I have to take seven days to reflect. It's not that it's, it's through some of the questions that you just left. And I'm going to ask for your three questions, but you know, where can I reprioritize or what should I, uh, what should I be doing in the next 10 years? Like these are all really powerful questions that hopefully with people listening and, and I'm getting personal benefit from this, just with some of these, these prompts, you know, if that can just impact one person to just step back for a second, you know, that's not a bad question or that's an interesting perspective. If we can do little nuggets of that along our journey and not have to wait until we're on the top of a mountain in this quiet, you know, surreal place, then I think 
we can really win uh, on ourselves, right? And and when you win on yourselves, then others win as well. So, I lo- I just want to say I love that idea, and it really you know I, I it, it makes me think of a continuum. On the one hand, you know the the like you know truly daily practice, whether that's you know mindfulness practice or reflection or whatever, something you can do even in the moment. I remember our, my meditation teacher being like, "You can meditate on the bus, like you only need thirty seconds," you know. So, and then this continuum all the way to on the other side, like you know going on a retreat or something or being hyper intentional about you know reflecting on on your life, and they it's like you can do it wherever. I mean, if you put more firepower behind it and are really doing a quote unquote strategic planning exercise for your life, that's great. But you can also just do it in the moment, little bite-sized chunks of, of reflection to keep you kind of present and aware, but also making sure that you're, you know, you're living the way that you want to do in, in everything that you do. Uh, no, absolutely. Last question for you, cause I want to respect your time, but if you if you reflect back, are there three questions that you can leave the listeners with um, that are actually reflective questions that you've asked yourself either either on a frequent basis or during big life changing events where you're moving across the world? Um, just some some good prompts, right, to help people out. Absolutely. So I I, I, I thought about this because you 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 tipped it beforehand, and I, it was it was provocative for me to think about like what you know. Like, what are those prompts? Because I think sometimes they're they're implicit. Like, we don't necessarily know that we're asking them, but these are our our frameworks for for making decisions and 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 thinking about yeah, like what's in front of us. So so here you go. I, I came up with three. The fir- and I think they're a bit reflected in the in the conversation that we've already had. So the first one is, does it align with my values? Well, I think that one stands on itself. Like, does yeah. the thing that's in, in front of me align with what I believe and what I think is important is the first one. Um, should I go through through all three? Yeah, that'd be perfect. Okay, so so does it align with my values? Uh, and the, the second one is, what do my instincts tell me? Like, what is my gut uh, when when interacting with a person or, or considering uh, an opportunity, maybe like all the facts are not in front of us, but like, what is our instinct? What does my instinct tell me about this thing? And the third one is, is what would my wife think of it? I love it. And I say that in the more, in the, the specific sense of, of like, you know, I married someone who's my life partner who, who brings like this whole other perspective for me. And so I mean it in that narrow sense of like, literally, what would my wife think of it? Uh, but also like, what would my people think of it? Like, what would my community, the people that I'm responsible to, if I'm going to do this thing or that thing, would I be proud to bring it to them? And what would their take on it be? So when, when I when I combine those kind of like, that my values being the things that I can really say explicitly that I've thought about that I believe in my instinct, which is not as, not as explicit, but sort of just like I lean in one direction or another based on all of my experiences. So the combination of, of what I explicitly believe, what I intuitively feel, and then what, what my community or others around me, uh, you know, their, their view of the world, I think by combining those three things, 
it can be a, a powerful combination to, to sort of drive reflection and drive decision-making. I, I love those. And thank you for sharing them. It, you, the last one really, at first I kind of chuckled and I think people would, would, would chuckle on, on the first one. But then when you really start thinking about it, to me, again, at least what came to me was that, you know, for anyone that's played sports or anything like that, you always have a coach right? Leading you through th- through that journey and someone you can turn to. And a lot of times we don't have that necessarily kind of formalized in, in, your, in the biggest game of all, which is our life, right? And I feel like a question like this hones that in a bit and it, it, it puts attention to, you're right, like someone, and I would think of my wife as the same thing, like someone that knows us almost better than ourselves, plus the people around us that know us or that we're most close closest to, uh, like those are the people we should we should be thinking about and 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 they're a good gauge right on are we on the right path or not absolutely and especially if they're a little bit different my wife and I obviously have tons of, of common ground that's why we got married but we also are you know see the world differently on key points and I think part of who we are like we can't do it all ourselves we're part of a community and and ideally we've surrounded ourselves with people who do see from different perspectives and and they can them or or their representation like what they believe in can can kind of help us see our own problems and issues from a different perspective amazing well isaac you know on behalf of everyone listening and myself and the 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 entire community thank you for your time your perspective and again that energy and passion to doing great things in this world Thank you. I, it's been a great hour. Uh, it's a, I feel this is a, a mindfulness practice in its own, just uh, sitting back and reflecting about, uh, about how one sees the world and how one kind of gets through the day. And, and, and so thank you for the time. I really enjoyed it. 